What's up, everybody? All right, all right. Welcome to Society of Kingdom Minds. I am your host, actually one of your hosts. I'm a co-host of this broadcast. I'm Joshua T. Berglund. You are watching Society of Kingdom Minds on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network and social media, too. <laughs> so... I keep changing my mind about this, but right now I'm just trying to prove a point. And um, it's really interesting, some of the tools that are available to be able to see what the different social media platforms are doing with your content. So at this point, I'm just trying to prove a point. So I know that I said we are not broadcasting on social anymore, but I changed my mind. So forgive me for misrepresenting the truth. Nonetheless, I'm excited to be here today. Um, as you all know, if you pay attention, if you've scrolled social media, you paid attention to the news, it, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And I will tell you that amongst the kingdom minds, this is really hurting the heart um, of us, like uh, us collectively as a group of people that love the Lord, love God's children, and we genuinely live our life in service to the Lord for his people. And seeing the things that are happening in the world, it's really just kind of, it's, 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 it's hurting our heart. That said, we knew as followers of Jesus Christ that we were going to come into times like this. We knew this is going to happen. But how many times, how many of you out there know those moments when you know something bad's going to happen or something crazy is going to happen, something ungodly is going to happen, but it doesn't change the sting when it actually does you can prepare yourself all you want it's like when you're going to go get a you know a shot at the doctor or go to the dentist you can mentally prepare for the dentist but until you have that drill ah, coming in your mouth you know it's like it's really hard to get prepared you can get prepared to be punched in the face all you want but the fact is until you've been punched in the face <laughs> really can't be prepared for it that said we're going to tackle some things head on today, and I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, for the sake of social media and the fact that they are trying to limit our broadcast and all of that stuff, if you are watching on social media, please share this out. Uh, if you're watching on the Libmana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, thank you for being here. God bless you guys. We'll be back after this commercial. Welcome back to Society of Kingdom Minds on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Thank you so much for being here. This episode is going to have some teeth, and I'm excited about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to introduce to you the one and only Dr. Ruth Charles. What's up, Dr. Ruth? How are you doing today? Hello. How are you? 
I am doing wonderful. God is great, and I am so excited about today. And without further ado, Dr. Guy Henry. Hello, Dr. Henry. How are you doing, sir? Excited, excited, ready to get at it. Good to be here. Good to see you all. Caroline will be here shortly. Always great to have her here, too. Her perspective is always awesome, but uh, today we are going to get into it. And with that said, Dr. Henry, I'm going to let you take the floor, my man. Okay, thanks. Well, again, welcome, everyone. And that was a great introduction, Joshua, because um, you can't be prepared, really, for even what you know is coming. Um, but thank God we have God's Word that does prepare us. And spiritually, we should be ready. Spiritually, we should not be in shock at the things that are happening. I think, to me, maybe one of the things that are that is shocking is the way that we, as the church, are responding to some of these things. It's almost as if we knew it was coming and we're blindly walking right into it anyway. When I say yeah. we, I just mean in general. So it led me to think about, you know, this is side of Kingdom Minds. We want to talk about Kingdom principles. We want to talk about leading and being a leader, being an effective leader in these changing times. And listen, it has been confirmed over and over and over. We are not going back to some previous norm. We are living in a new dispensation, if you will. We're living in an era of transformation. So um, we may carry the same DNA when we're getting through all this, but we're going to be different people. And with that said, I just wanted to read a couple of scriptures that kind of brings us back to the beginning in terms of society of kingdom minds. And I'm just going to read portions of Romans 14, 13 through 17. Um, for the most of us, we'll, we'll know what this is all about. But I think if we look at it, it's like, are we talking about today when they wrote this back then? Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. <clears throat> Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. I want to preach right now, but I won't. Really? It does say, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, eat. We'll say eat because that's what it says, but whatever your belief is with regards to A, B, C, D of all this crap going on in the world today, uh, you are no longer acting in love. Oh, let's make a big deal about how you think about this. We're not acting in love. It says, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Christ died for everyone. Doesn't matter if you have the wrong perspective, Christ still died for you. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of, I'm going to ad lib, eating and drinking, mask vaccines or racism, <laughs> one world government, but it is of righteousness, peace, and of joy of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I had a Guy Henry version to that. That's the new New Testament. That's the new New <laughs> version. That's the 2021 version of Romans. <laughs> you know, and, and I said that because, you know, that's exactly what was happening back then. They were arguing about over what they thought we could eat because the law said you couldn't eat this. Well, the, the grace says you can eat this. Well, the law says you can't drink that. But the grace says you can drink. So don't let that become a stumbling block. Don't, don't 
I love what it says in this version. Make up your mind not to be a stumbling block or an obstacle for your brother. Yes. If I am convicted of, in my life, vaccine, well, then shut up and don't judge me. But if I say, no way in this planet, I'm going to take a vaccine or I'm going to wear a mask, wear your mask, do your vaccine, love God. But leave me the heck alone. Don't become a stumbling block. Don't tread on. No, no, don't, don't. I don't want to be a stumbling block to you. I don't have to have my version or my judgment. And that's kind of what it's saying. But more to the core, I'm just going to lay a few things out because I know if I let you guys go, I'll <laughs> never get this back. So, <laughs> but I'm just kind of a little bit, I'm just a little bit fired up because I've had some conversations this week of people that you got to be kidding. You should know better. I thought you did know better. But anyway, more to the core, I think what's happening today is evil, jealousy, prejudice, and we are murdering morale and the joy of serving Jesus in the kingdom of God. All because I'm jealous of what you think, or I'm, I'm, my, I'm egotistical, and this is the way it is, or I'm prejudiced, which prejudice it's it's prejudging we got to throw matthew chapter 7 completely out today because nobody is living according to do not judge lest you be therefore judged and i'm practicing my king james which i don't do very well at but you know being prejudiced is a powerful and harmful effect on the whole health of the body of christ and in fact it affects the mental, social, and physical well-being of the believer. Wow. Because of being prejudiced. You know, and I was thinking today, and I, and I know, you know, somebody, somebody recently accused me of being a conspiracy theorist. theorist it was and, me. And I, I know, I know. I didn't want to blame you. Because <laughs> I am one. So. But you know... It is a conspiracy. It's a Satan conspiracy. Flat out, it's a Satan conspiracy. And the guy is on vacation because he doesn't have to do anything today. He, he's, got, he's got politicians. He's got preachers. He's got the church. He's got everybody doing it all. And he's sitting back thinking, I got this under control. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to think kingdom. We need to think righteousness. What is right? We need to be joyful. Where is the joy of the Lord? How come we're not being led by the Spirit? And that I don't mean to say, well, the Lord told me, and then three days later I die. Well, maybe the Lord didn't tell you then. But we're so quick, so spiritually religious to say, everything that I do, the Lord told me. I'd rather just do it and then give the Lord the glory if I was right. And if I was wrong, I don't have my my mouth out there saying, God told me. Just another, I think it's just friggin' time the church wakes up to what's going on. We got four people on the screen, and every one of them's got a different color. I'm getting if more. If we're tan. talking about, oh, good for you. <laughs> but if we're talking color, 
it, the issue to me, and forgive me, and I know I, I, I don't know what it is to be black. I do know what it is to be white in a Latin country. But is the issue racism or is it prejudice? Is it discrimination? Because the church has had problems with discrimination for mm. a long time. Amen. In fact, Paul had to chew out Peter for discrimination. Before I go too far, <laughs> there's, my, there's my opening statement. Okay. So, I, you're just watching the news, talking, talking to some pastors, to, you know, in this past week. I'm thinking, you are so friggin' scared. Where is the love of God? Where is the, where is the peace of God that passes all understanding? And you're judging me for not having done this or that? If it, I don't, you're fine if you did this or that and you feel, and I don't, you know, whether it's the vaccine, which right now is a big deal, you know, because that's the new, that's the new mark of the beast. There's, for those of us who've been around a while, this is not the first time we've heard that whatever's coming out is the mark of the beast. This is like the 10th time or more. So, or more, but I'm, what, but in this is to me one of the darkest, ma most major transitions of the body of Christ in the dark ages. Wow. And it's happening in a supposedly enlightened society. <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little <laughs> bit overshocked after spending 25 years in Honduras. But I don't even see as much of this, this racial, which I don't even know that it's racial because they keep mentioning colors. Color is not a race. Hello? There's all kinds of white races. There's all kinds of, but, but what's wrong is white supremacy. I don't know who you are, but if you're a white supremacist, you're following the devil. <laughs> And maybe you don't know it. Maybe you think it's good. I had a pastor tell me that if I see him as black, I'm a racist. I'm thinking there's nothing wrong with my eyes. I like black. Uh, most of my clothes is black. That's beautiful. <laughs> it, and, and, uh, okay, I'll take a drink. Somebody talk. Somebody help me okay. before I really get into trouble. It, it's, hold on really quick. Ladies and gentlemen, it's very, very rare that Dr. Henry, because he's a very calm, cool, and collective guy. <laughs> For two days, I've seen these text messages that have the fury of what you would imagine God's wrath looks like. In his, I think Dr. Henry right now is so emotional, he can't even put words together. But... I, I, I like your opening statement a lot, and I, know, I love where you're going with this. And one of the things that I want to make clear, I hate racism, I hate discrimination, but I promise you one thing that will never happen. I'm not going to apologize for being white, because that's how God created me. And if you're apologizing for how you were created, you're doing it wrong. You are yeah. God's creation, 
perfect in his image, the way he saw you and designed you. He didn't design you to apologize for how you were born, how you were created. So with that said, I've had enough of this. Like, here's another thing. And I'm going to I'm going to say this. And then, uh, Dr. Ruth, I want you to take over. And then, Dr. Caroline, you go after this. I've got all kinds of feelings about Black Lives Matter, the organization, the organizational structure of it, who's funding it, all of it. I got issues with that. However, the organization itself, I know too many people that love the Lord Jesus with all their heart that are finding, even though they find comfort in the Lord, the movement itself has brought support and comfort. And right now there is a community of people who are hurting really bad. And I know you can look at it and you can point fingers and you can say this and that. But some of us just need to shut up with our opinions because right now there is a community of people. In fact, there's communities all over the world that have dealt with violence, police violence, gang violence in their cities and in their neighborhoods for no reason. There is no reason for them to have to experience this. In my attitude, the more I've been able to speak to different leaders in my community here in Minneapolis, I got to shut my mouth about some of this stuff because I was like, yeah, this organization that's corrupt, it's crooked. But the thing is, is it, it's offering support to people because the church hasn't stepped up to be that support for them. And guess what? When the people of God's children don't step into the role that they're supposed to play, the one that they were created to play in the world, when they don't do it, someone else is going to swoop in. Just like this, gentlemen, when you don't take care of your wife and you don't make her happy and you don't pay attention to her and you don't sow into your relationship, guess what happens? Another man swoops in and takes over. That's exactly what happens with God's children with the devil. Dr. Caroline, I mean, Dr. Ruth, go ahead. Wow, what an analogy. <laughs> okay. I'm full you know, of analogies. <laughs> I'm so sure. I'm so sure. You know what? I tell you, when I was getting my master's degree, we had to subscribe to a certain modality of counseling. And my modality, modality was cognitive behavioral therapy, how you think determines how you act, and then with a solution-based theory attachment. I am, we've talked enough about what the problem is, and people still aren't clear because they're being led by their emotions and they're not thinking, and those that say they are believers are not listening to the spirit of the living God, the creator. And so throw all that junk out the window. It's not about what we feel because our feelings are fickle and they are subject to change at any given moment. They can change because the sun goes up, the sun comes down. They can change by the foods that we eat, which alter our moods. They can change by the water smells we smell, which triggers memories from our past. Mm -hmm. It's not about what we feel. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, John 8, 32. That's the problem with the church. You don't know the truth. And that's why you're bound there. I'm going to get in trouble with some people, but guess what? I don't care because I know the truth. And it's the living God. I've gone through, you name it, I've been molested. Come on. 
let's just talk about it. I've been discriminated against. I had my name scandalized. I had a whole church set up a meeting and turn on me. I'm talking about a mega church, baby. But guess what I did? I forgave them. Why? Because I wanted my father, Matthew 5, 18, to forgive me, kingdom citizens. I have an attitude right now. And let me tell you why I have an attitude. Because people keep talking, but it's time to stop talking. Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's not getting out there having conversations and yelling at other people about what they did wrong. Whoever hurts you may not be standing in front of you. So do you treat them badly because somebody else hurt you? I think not. That means you have not forgiven. And guess what that means? God does not forgive you. Matthew 5, 18. I didn't say it. He said it. I didn't write it. He wrote it. And it's in every translation. Do you want to go there? I can go through several of them with you. I know the word. I have an attitude with this because I'm tired of seeing these pastors fighting, church people fighting. People don't want to go to church anymore together. People apologizing because they married somebody that looks different from them. Who cares? The Bible says God is spirit. How do you know what God's spirit look like? And we were created in his image and likeness. If God is spirit, that means every color you see of God is. Uh, that means that? That everywhere you see a person. That is some supernatural God Because the Bible says God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. So hot. You and I, before time was, God is. He is the is, the was, the to come. Read Revelation. I'm just telling you. I'm going to give you a little bit of history here, but I'm not going to go too deep because you got to get in my class for that. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. I, I had to pay to learn. You got to pay too. It is what it is. I'm tired of people making excuses for where they are. People will always hurt us. Jesus said, I suffer. Are you greater than me? When, consider yourself blessed when you suffer for righteousness sake. We're going to go through things. We're going to go through things. But do we hold ourselves in a prison with the keys in our hand and an open door? Do we stay locked in unforgiveness of what happened to us 10 years ago, 10 days ago, 10 minutes ago? Heck, I go through stuff. My husband and I, we argue. He get on my nerves. Guess what I have to do? Forgive him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Amen. Praise Jesus. My children from uh, almost 30 to 18 tomorrow get on my nerves, but what I have to do, forgive them. I get on their nerves. What they got to do, forgive me if they want to see Jesus. It's time to grow up. We have become a weak, jellyback, crying, whining, superficial church that was considered non-essential by the world when strip clubs were essential. Are you serious? Sweat swinging from a pole is 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 something that we need. Why is it? Because we mirror the world. I'm not bashing the church. This is a preacher, a prophet, and a pastor talking to the church about the church. Whether you are a business person 
or our, our ministry leader, or a parent in the home, it is time to rise up and know what is true. Forgive and move on. You cannot stay stuck in yesterday. You will never move forward. You will die in your own stuff. Forgiveness is more about us moving forward than it is the other person. Some people just ignorant. They don't. Jesus, God, Jesus, for, Lord, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He knew how stupid people were. <laughs> I'm just calling it like it is. Come on, people. Amen. He knew what Amen. we operated under, that we had been separated from God by our sin. And he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. What does that mean? That means that all the things that Moses wrote told us, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, all the thou shalt not. He said, I'm fulfilling that. I'm providing grace, a way of escape the escaping the penalty of death all of us all of us dears deserve death let's just tell it like it is all of us all of us because we cannot measure up to the perfectness the without flawness i made that word up of god wow yeah that's good <laughs> can 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 i just add something uh, sure. a connection because uh, again um I may not get another chance. Why did you freeze <laughs> but, but something that Dr. Ruth said is, you know, you if it's not, oops. I'm, she's frozen, go ahead and talk. Okay, if it's not truth, then it's not, if it doesn't bring life, it's not truth. And if it's not truth, it's a lie. We guess, you know, we gotta be able to measure what we're thinking, what we're seeing or hearing to the word of God. Does it bring life? Then it's truth. If it's not bringing life, it's not the truth. And if it's not the truth, why are we so bound up by something that is not true? Anyway, Dr. Caroline. What a start to the program today. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback from my side. Can you all hear me clearly? You hear, you sound great. Awesome. Uh, I will go to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm just going to read it because it is going to speak to people just as it is. You don't need interpretation of this. It, there's no hidden meaning. Uh, and I will, I will read it. And this is the NIV New International Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Love it very uh, Chapter 13, I apologize. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 1, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I have all I possess, uh, I possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse six, love does not delight in evil, 
but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I can go on and on, but I just want to end in verse 13, which says, Now all these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. What I love so much about this, I call it the love chapter in the Bible. It's so clear. You don't need anyone to define or to preach to tell you the hidden meaning in all these things. We all know what being proud is. We all know when we show off, there's no love in it. And then it says, love protects. Love protects others. Love always trusts. Love hopes always, perseveres always. So all the things that are going on because of uncertainty, it brings out the worst in people. Moments of uncertainty brings out the worst in people because that's when all your fears come. And the, there is a positive fear, which is the fear of the Lord, where you are reverent, reverence or reverencing God or revering God. So that is the positive fear where you respect God. But there is the negative fear of what if I do this, what will become of me? What will become of those who are of my kind? What will become of my family? When you begin to think that way, that's when you have now all these prejudice we're talking about, racism we're talking about. Now, when you feel that way, my, in my knowledge, what I see is you're not being led from love or by love. Mm -hmm. You're being led by fear. You fear that this person might hurt me, this person because of, a, of maybe um, um, negative perceptions or understanding or knowledge that you are given when you are young to say this type of people, this is how they behave and stereotyping and all that stuff and your worldview of it gives you a perspective. However, when you come to Christ, when you know Christ, you're not no longer led by your worldview. There is a Christian worldview, which is actually what is written here in the Bible. So whatever traditions you come with, you came with, wherever we came from, there are traditions. Every home has its own tradition. Every place where we came from has its own tradition. We put all those things aside, and now we take the living word of God, and we start living by it. And that's what it means to be born again. So for every Christian, any person who believes in Christ, I'm not going to speak to those who don't because it's difficult to speak to someone when you do not have a common ground, right? Mm -hmm. But for those who belong to Christ, what are you basing your arguments from? Whether they are arguments about the vaccine or arguments about white supremacy or arguments about this race and that race or Asians are like this or 
uh, African-American or Africans from Africa. I am an African from Africa. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not African-American. Dr. Ruth is African-American, you know? And so how do you, why do you base your, why do you base your view of us on other things when you say you are a believer, when you have this, the Bible? So let's go back to the Bible, children of God. Let's go back to the Bible and let it define everything that we do and where we do not agree. Let's go back and see what is God saying about this. Read the Bible. This whole thing of people saying, not that everybody who says this hasn't been led of the Spirit. Sometimes people are led by what they, they want God to tell them. Someone comes and tells you, God told me this. And I, one time I was reading the Bible and I was looking through the life of just Abraham as an example. God didn't speak to him every day. God didn't speak to him every day. And I'm not saying God is not going to speak with you every day. But when someone comes to, to you and tells you, the spirit of the Lord told me this. The Bible clearly tells us that we need to check it. Check it. When someone comes and tells you, Dr. Ruth, God told me this about you. I want to get a witness because the Bible says in the multitude of witnesses, a word is approved. So if I come and tell you something, oh, Dr. Henry, God told me this. We are in this team. Uh, and I would ask, oh, Joshua, are, are you feeling the same thing? Oh, Dr. Ruth, are you seeing the same thing? Because if it is not, then I don't have to accept it. The Bible says that. The Bible says that. So whenever someone comes to you with a word, check. The answer is here in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Amen. Check what the Bible is saying. Whenever you face any fear about a people, about a situation, about coronavirus, about a vaccine, I'm reading the Bible for myself so I can understand these are perilous times. <clears throat> and all this thing about the vaccine being the mark of the beast, I'm reading through it to understand, you know, for myself. So when I face all these questions that people are asking, I am basing it on the Bible because as we know, other sources have failed us. Only the Bible stands true. I will end it there for now. For now. Dr. Henry, I want to ask you a question. And Dr. Ruth, your mic is all crazy, so I have you on mute. Something about your headphones or something. Dr. Henry, I want to ask you, um, whatever she's doing, I don't want to hear the background noise. Okay. What can we do? Because one of the things that it seems like there's a media push, and of course, turn off the media is the answer for that. But society right now is trying to get people to apologize for who they are. You, you know, apologize for being white. I, I've seen all white people are racist, all of that stuff. Well, obviously, that's not true. That's just not true. That's just an ignorant, dumb, <laughs> ridiculous statement. But... For people that are wanting us to, how do you lovingly not apologize for your race 
while also leading with love. Like, how do you how do you address those issues when people are wanting? I've seen multiple videos that are floating around the internet, and of course, you know that's it's the internet, but of of people wanting others to bow down because they're not black or they're not white. Like that's not helping this race situation at all. But how do you respond to love in a situation like that when you have a maybe a protester or a rioter staring you in the face and saying, you need to apologize for who you are? As leaders, how should we address subjects like that? And I actually want all three of you to answer that. Um, well, if I'm going first, I probably won't end up with the best answer of all, right? Um, actually, both our ladies have mentioned something that I think is very key. Number one, we need to do everything motivated out of love. If, if we don't respond to that in love, we're going to respond incorrectly. No. I may be frustrated. I may be angry. At that I may not agree. But the way I respond, I have to respond in love. That's the first. The second is, Dr. Ruth mentioned it. Jesus gave us the example, when people are acting stupid, because people, we all get injections of stupid. I mean, you know, uh, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. And so if they're all up in your face because you're white, if they're all up in your face because you're a believer, or you don't believe like they believe, um, which, you know, Christians do that, Christians, you know, the world's supposed don't get me on Christians. I, I don't like saying I'm a Christian. If somebody tells me I'm a Christian and I'm honored, I don't go around telling everybody I'm a Christian so they don't measure me by whatever rule they think a Christian is. I follow <laughs> Christ. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I, you know, I'm still a student. I'm a disciple. So I'm still learning. The point is um, we, we need to respond in, in forgiveness because people don't know when they're being stupid because you don't know if we knew we were being stupid, we wouldn't be stupid, if I can say that word. Um, you did. In, okay. In, in, in Spanish, we, we don't use that word unless it's, you know, to be offensive. Um, I don't mean it to be offensive. Um, we just do, we do things stupid. And when people are responding and acting out of rage, out of uh, prejudice, out of racism, out of ignorance, to me, it's love and forgiveness. I'm better off not even responding. Just, okay, yeah, I hear your point. What do you want me? Because am I going to really change their point of view by giving them my point of view? Mm. Unless they're asking me my point of view. Are they asking me for counsel? Are they asking me for advice? Or are they just dumping their stuff on me? Makes sense. That was actually a really great answer. Uh, Dr. Ruth, tee off on that. I like what Dr. Henry said because um, I, I heard the the uh, scenario you made uh, about someone coming to you protesting and they're saying apologize. I mean, I'm going to give my standpoint. If it were I, there were some times when Jesus just said, "Thou sayest," he would not answer them when they accused him of certain things because. He, he felt that he shouldn't dignify it. Sometimes you keep walking because if a person is not um, coming to you wanting to know the truth about something or wanting to hear what you have to say, then you're not going to change their mind. So why waste your time? 
And sometimes people say things because they they have not humbled themselves enough to say, hey, is this my fight or not? And you have to humble yourself enough to hear what your fight is and how to fight that fight. Now, if it's a case where somebody really is, you know, they really want to know what is true, what is right, according to the word of God, which is the only truth. I don't care what people are saying. If people really want to know what is right, then you take time with with the Holy Spirit and you point out in scripture, you take them through scripture and show them what is truth. You know, but if they don't want to know and it's just trying to this aggravating assault, don't waste your time because you're only going to make matters worse for you and that person and anybody else that comes along. So just move on. Know what you know and move on. It's, I, I want to jump in really quick. One of the hardest things to do, I mean, for, I'm going to speak from my own perspective, is, you know, I used to be a certain kind of person that wasn't so good, but I've always had a heart for people. And it's really, really hard as a believer, even like I'm six years in to my walk with the Lord of like true dedicated walking with God, not, you know, not, not just doing Sundays. I mean, like a daily practice of seeking a relationship with him. And one of the things that is so hard for me to accept is when my heart is questioned. And that could be about anything. I mean, it's rare that I'm accused of being racist. I mean, I, I'm, I thank God for that because that's the one thing I never want. Like, I, for some reason, that one is just like a really hurts me the most. But even having my heart questioned in any capacity, it's hard because all I want to do is defend myself and go, look, proof, here's proof, here's proof, here's proof that I do that. And it's hard because, and I think other Christians struggle with this too, where look, we're still human beings. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to want to bite people's face or tell somebody, call somebody a name that we shouldn't call them or whatever it may be. But it's like we're, we're still human. And how do we, as especially in leadership roles, where we do, we are an example, how do we, when we are having our heart or our motives or our intentions questioned and that could be about anything it could be about speaking about police violence it could be about gang activity it could be about faith it could be anything how do we as leaders approach when our heart is questioned is it as simply as just not answering kind of like what we talked about with the other thing or is there a better way to approach things like that well I believe, first of all, you use your discernment. This is why you have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord. So you'll know when to speak and when to be silent. That's the Bible. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be quiet. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in tune with and sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, he'll tell you, don't touch that. Or he'll tell you, speak, say this, say that. And so we have to always beforehand be prepared for the moments that are coming we have to anticipate we have to be proactive so therefore we won't be reactive because when you prepare yourself by spending that alone time with the lord 
he'll kind of let you know what's going to happen in your day. And if he don't, if he doesn't tell you specifically, he'll prepare you internally for what you will face. So when those things happen, when those things happen, you will know whether to address that person because they want to know the truth. They want to be made free or not to address it because they're just, you know, trying to agitate and push your buttons. And so then you can smile in humility, thou say it, and keep on moving. Yeah. And that's pretty much the way I deal with things. And I had to learn that because I was, at one point, I was a quick tongue person. You said something wrong because I've always been a truth teller, but I, but I had to learn that. Just, uh-uh, everybody doesn't want to know. Everybody <laughs> doesn't want to know the truth. And so now I, just, I wait to try to hear what the Lord is saying. If I feel like you don't want to know the truth, you won't get an answer from me. That was a great answer. Dr. Caroline, do you have anything to add to that? Wonderful. Thank you. To add to that, um, I'm reminded of a project that one of my um, clients of the NGO Westboro is implementing or will be implementing once all these COVID restrictions are lifted. It's called the Victim Perpetrator uh, Program of reconciliation. The organization is called Behenet and they work in South Africa. And what this program does is, and I'm sharing this as an example, what this program does is, as you all know, South Africa is one of the countries with the highest incidences of gender-based violence, rape and femicide, which is the killing of women by their intimate partners, husbands, boyfriends, and people who are closer to them. So what the program does is they go to prisons where sexual offenders have been jailed, and they ask them if they are willing, if they are willing to have a conversation or a dialogue with their victims. And when the victim and the perpetrator agree to meet, of course, it's done with there are so many counselors um, and, and people supporting them, you know, uh, professional help. And this is done in a safe space where the perpetrator and the victim, who the person who, uh, who was raped, uh, comes face to face with the person who raped them. Wow. And there is a conversation that starts. And the conversation is there, God's there, so it's safe and everything. What happens is, um, based on what they have done previously in this uh, specific prison is, for some victims, they don't want anything to do with that. They don't care. According to them, that person should rot in hell and die and, 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 and they deserve to go to hell. For some victims, they're like, I want to understand what motivated them to hurt me. I want them to know how much what they did to me changed my life and the suffering that I've gone through and I want to heal. And maybe by having a conversation with them, it will change them so they become a better person. So I cannot say I, 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 I have never been in such a situation, so I cannot speak for them. But what we have seen from these examples is there is a willingness from both parties to have a conversation. And that's something that we need to have as a society, whether it's people of different races or where there's been racism, there has to be a willingness for people from both sides 
to have a conversation in a safe place where we can cry, say what these things mean to us when you do this, this is what I feel. And there has to be a willingness from the perpetrator or the person doing these things to the other party. And I don't want to say, oh, racism is always black and white or all that, because there are places where people who are lighter skinned have also faced racism. So there are places where people of Asian origin have, have, felt, uh, have experienced racism. So it's not always that black people are looked down upon, even though most of it is that way. So what I'm saying is the willingness makes the process begin. How it will end? depends on both parties. When we are talking about communities, the whole world, there has to be a willingness from individuals, starting with the leadership, as Joshua, you are asking as a leader, how should I approach this? There has to be a willingness from the leaders themselves, speaking to their people, from the people who are known as opinion leaders in the community, the influencers, not necessarily celebrities. Influencer can just be someone of high standing in a community that people look up to. Those influencers, what are they saying to the world? In the church, the influencers are the spiritual leaders. What are the spiritual leaders saying? You set the tone. As John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls with leadership. What is the leadership saying? In the home, again, the leadership, the mother or the father in the home, what are they saying? Are they willing to have these, these discussions about prejudice, about racism in their home and to educate people? Is there a willingness for them to look at all these situations and educate one another? And I would say, I believe in family-centered approach. If every family can have this discussion, from their you know, kitchen table or dining room or whenever they are eating something good and just have this discussion and say, let's talk about this issue. What are your thoughts? And if people are open to say, this is what happens. I remember I was listening to a few people and they said their grandfathers are so racist that they don't invite their black friends to come over the holidays when their grandfather is at home because they still call black people with their N word. And th this person is not racist, but their grandfather is. They've had this discussion. What makes that man who calls himself a believer, I don't know what they believe in, but they call themselves a believer, what makes them think that because of who they are, skin color, the skin color, they are better than black people. Mm -hmm. uh, there are incidences of people who've married, uh, 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 African people who've married Japanese people and their Japanese spouse was banished from their home because they married a black person. It's not just white and black, it's also, you know, other races. Mm -hmm. So That's all these things happening, 
all these things happening, brothers and sisters, there has to be a willingness for us to find out what is it about the other. And the other is not necessarily even skin color. It could also be socioeconomic status. Yes. It could also be socioeconomic status where people are told in this family, we don't marry people who are like this. And when you bring a girl or a boy who doesn't come with a certain uh, uh, net worth, they are not welcomed because this is mm -hmm. how we are. And anyone mm -hmm. who goes out of that, out of that kind of family, um, uh, I don't know how I would call it. It's not even a, <laughs> a guideline, but whatever their expectations are, sometimes they are disinherited. I want to back up on something really, really quick. And it's a little bit of a shift of a direction, and it's not. And I actually want to start with Dr. Henry on this. The word kingdom has been bastardized, in my opinion, because now there's this new wave of kingdom people that are teaching, selling courses, and selling this and selling that. And I know that we're developing a course, but forgive me. But everyone's selling stuff selling t-shirts, selling coffee mugs, selling bottles, selling this, selling that. Everyone's selling stuff under the name of kingdom. Have we gotten, has this been, has kingdom been perverted now? Because it seems like to me that the focus of kingdom-minded people should be on social heart issues before we start talking about money and business. Because from my own personal experience, I don't consider myself a businessman. I'm a genius, but I'm not a, I don't consider myself a businessman. I'm a genius because the Holy Spirit made me one, which is awesome. And I, I won't apologize for it. That said, I don't think in business. I think in serving. I think in serving God's people. I think of elevating God's children. I think about going to the poorest, darkest, most messed up places on the earth and breathing life into those people and teaching them how to get out of the gutter. Why? Because it's how I did. And it worked. And it worked. And it was Jesus. Like, that's my focus as a kingdom-minded man. I'm not here. I mean, mind you, there's nothing wrong with selling stuff, selling courses, selling books. Of course, God bless you for doing it. But it seems like kingdom has been perverted for give me some kingdom wealth, baby. Unlock the, the kingdom riches and let it pour down. And that's what the focus is. But what's being ignored is the very thing that the church is ignoring. And that's the issues that we're discussing right now. So, Dr. Henry, can you speak to what I just said? I thought you spoke very well. <laughs> you know, you're right. Wherever there is... A focus somebody's gonna market it and and you know that that is unfortunate but it's also true mm. nothing wrong like you said in, in making it you know getting making money off a book about kingdom but two things one you already explained so before I repeat what you just said kingdom of God is in essence nothing more nothing less than the rule and reign of God on the earth through us. Jesus gave us the example how to do that. 
and he did what you said. He writes the injustice. He went where nobody wanted to go. It was he wasn't just in the synagogues. He was in the city. He was in the street. He was with the beggar. He was with the sick. He was with the lame. He was with the mafia guy. I always say the mafia guy. You know, um, <laughs> Zacchaeus. Is that how you say it in English? Zacchaeus. Yeah. He was mafia. Yes. And yeah, that's how we say it, Zacchaeus. Um, but he was mafia. And Jesus went and ate in his, see, if you understand the culture, he went and broke bread with him in his house. You don't, you don't do that with people you're not ready to enter covenant with. And Jesus boldly stood and said, I'm going there. And he spent time with it. And then he comes out and he says, I haven't seen any greater faith in all of Israel than this guy right here who's saying, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to give back everything I took. I'm going to give it back four times over. It's about reaching the people where they are. And, and, and again, like Dr. Ruth, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's pastor. I've been a pastor. And so I speak from, I hope, some right to be able to say it. But this building a building, opening up a door and saying, now come to Jesus and we will fix you up. It is not how Jesus showed it. Is there a place for it? Absolutely. Salvation prayer drives me nuts, by the way. Sorry. And, and where in the Bible does it, Use my the word. Bible does it say to Jesus. do that? Where in the Bible does it say to close your eyes and pray? It doesn't say it anywhere. <laughs> Unless I'm mistaken, I don't recall ever reading anywhere about close your eyes and pray and repeat this prayer after me. But anyway, that's... <laughs> that's, my salvation prayer is like you're not using i'm not listen use your own words <laughs> yes here's a here's what your I words use your words absolutely but but that is what to me is the kingdom the kingdom is taking righteousness taking joy taking peace to people that do not have that demonstrating that no strings attached that's the kingdom of god do you know how pastor? I hope I'm not oversimplifying that. What's that? You well, I no, that was awesome. But Pastor Castillo, you you obviously had the blessing of meeting him. Uh, my pastor, he um he got saved by basically telling God to kill him. <laughs> like he didn't do a salvation prayer. He asked God to kill him, and guess what? God he did. did. <laughs> that was the his old salvation. man is dead. And he's been walking with the Lord since. So, anyway, I would like to challenge the audience, and you could call me a blasphemous if you want. I don't care. But you can say that. But I would like to challenge you. The next time you go to church, don't say their prayer. Say your own. Let your let your heart speak to God, not someone else's words. It'll change. It'll change things for you. Just an idea. Um. I know we're running out of time and we want to give our ladies one more chance to, to say something. I just wanted to interject a thought that came to me. And, Please. and Dr. Ruth, when was the last time we heard anybody talk about the anointing of God? Wow. I mean, yes, we need knowledge. We need understanding. But you know, one thing about the anointing of God is the word actually comes from a similar some similar word of camouflage when we're anointed we're camouflaged with christ we look like jesus 
So when we are anointed with God's grace, we are camouflaged to the enemy and he sees Jesus. Mm -hmm. So are we walking in the anointing of God when we are criticizing, when we're being prejudiced, when we're getting up in everybody's face about whether or not they can go to church, shouldn't go to church, not go to church, put on a mask, take the vaccine, where is the anointing? I want to. I know hey, that's a whole on. other subject, but but I wanted to bring it in. Ted Gumbin, I want to tackle this question so bad. We part never get the woo-woo stuff. Part, part two, you said a lot. Part two. There's a part, part two. two. It's, it's so much meat left on the table. Yeah. We okay. have not cut it up. Part we two. We haven't started, I don't think. I think we just got warmed up. I want to talk about the anointing. I want to talk about that, but I don't. Lori's here. And no scripted prayer. That's amazing. I had a friend literally meet Jesus and got saved having a chakra read. Now, the spiritual but not religious, the new age, like a lot of people look at chakras as new age, but is it? Is it really? It's demonic. Huh? It's demonic. It's, it's demonic. demonic. It so how do you meet Jesus? How do you meet Jesus in this way? It just had because Lori is a walking, talking, like her heart is Jesus. So, can we address? Let's let's tackle this. I don't care if that we're late. We can keep going. I, I met a guy <laughs> whose testimony said he met Jesus while he was stoned out of his mind. God talked yeah. to me when I was four days into meth. Changed my life forever. Shows and up when so, he wants to. And so God is spirit. He created us. He's yes. everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. And, he speaks and my, my husband had a testimony of being at a strip club and the woman coming up to him and saying, why are you here? He was unsaved. I had a gentleman who was high from smoking marijuana and heard the Lord spoke to him, sobered him up. My ex-pastor <laughs> that married my husband and I had a situation happen like that when he was an unbeliever. The Lord knows how to sober you up and get you saved. I don't care where you are. And I'm speaking yes. to the, the uh, chakra being demonic because I've, I've uh, studied in depth not only witchcraft and different demons and all of that demonology and different spirituality. So if we want to do a class on that, we can. But I'm telling you, that is demonic. Do not try to find Jesus by going to chakra med. You can just Ask him, Lord, I need you. Come, come into my life. Pray your own prayer. You know, and, and that's how we communicate with God. But he knows exactly how to get to us. He created us. He knows how we're wired. He knows what he's going to do. Like, I, I mean, I'm not being an idiot. I'm just asking because it's no. the body, right? No, that's demonic. Okay. That, that's very demonic. We don't have enough time to go into that right now, but I'll tell you this. The reason why I know so much about next week, we're going to talk about demons. No, trust me, you want to have a long, a lot of shows about that. A lot of shows about that. I talk about it on Gratitude Unfiltered all the time. I know what it's like to be possessed. I mean, well, I'll say this. I'll say this. The reason why I know so much about the word, it was to combat growing up in witchcraft. That's how I know so much about this stuff. Ooh. Man. I mean, potions, lotions, incantations. 
stuff flying through the room. Yeah. I don't know about Dr. Caroline being, you know, raised in Africa. I have quite a few African friends that have told me stories, but yeah. I was the little girl with the prophetic nature that didn't know she was a prophet and they used to take my hand and add, find out where people were. But I didn't know what was going on. So I had to get I had to get gloriously redeemed. Gloriously yeah. redeemed. Yeah, that's something because I'm so happy you brought that up because we all were born with spiritual gifts, but yeah. our heart will dictate how we use our gifts. And I used to use my gift for evil and uh, it, it was a pretty dadgum powerful gift to use for evil, but praise Jesus. I get to use it for good now, but that crap ain't messing around like fortune telling I've seen a Ouija board fly across a room. I've seen some wicked yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I've seen in, in Argentina one time a 12-year-old girl literally lift up four men that was trying to hold her down on the floor, lifted her up, lifted four men up, yeah. and then spoke to us in English. Holy so it's real. Demons, Batman. Wow. Yes, I, you know what? I love this new direction that we've gone. Instead of like trying to teach stuff, we're just like, a, I mean, we're still teaching, but we're talking about issues that really do matter and the issues that are affecting the very core of the foundation to of this world that we live in. Yeah. Like we expect yeah. when we're born, especially in America, that everything's just going to be taken care of for us. Everything's going to be beautiful. Uh-oh, we lost her. Oh, there she's back. She's okay. She's raising it out today. She's yeah. really in the spirit. Yeah, gum Wi-Fi. Um, but I do like this because it's it matters, and there's you know we're with being from different parts of the world, and the, it's it's a different lens to see life through, different experiences. We all have different ethnic backgrounds. Like you know, I'm Mexican. You know, Doctor Henry's Japanese, and you know. Wait, you lost the sound? I can't hear you. Why? Did I mute I myself? Why? I'm talking. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, I was just talking out of my butt anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really, really proud of this direction that we're going because we really are starting to talk about the things I feel that matter for the kingdom and matter for the world. And whether you're a believer or not, here's one thing that is is true, is true, is true. Kingdom principles work. Following, living them by them, they work. So, but they, it, the thing that's, that's awesome about kingdom principles, it's not just working in church environment. It's not work, just working to make you more money or a career. Kingdom Kingdom principles and kingdom living helps you learn how to address real life issues the way God created us to address these issues. And so I am proud of each and every one of you for bringing your A game and talking about this with an open heart, but at the same time, not being scared to, to talk about the things that the church isn't. So I appreciate it about all three of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Been a good day. Dr. Allen, I want you to plug uh, what you need to plug, and then we'll go to Dr. Ruth, and we'll go to Dr. Henry, and we'll close it out. 
I wanted to end this conversation with the, uh, the word in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I will start actually with verse 8, you know. In moments of uncertainty, when you have many questions, look for a word in the Bible to guide you. And that's what I do every day when I am in doubt or I don't know what to do. So Romans chapter 10 verse 9, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what we were talking about today, about the prayer to give your life to Christ. You need to confess it with your own mouth. You need to know it, to believe it in your heart, and that way you'll be saved. So if you want so much to be prayed for, to be laid hands on, of course there is the laying on, on of hands. We can talk about that. However, the Bible is very clear here. And I believe, I don't know if this is why people were being led to Christ through, uh, in, in my church they do that, why someone is leading people to Christ because they don't know how to pray. But this is what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth, your own mouth, not, others, not someone else confessing for you. Mm. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because many prophets have come and they have died and many people believe in many prophets. But none of them died for our sins and rose from the dead, defeating hell, the grave, and death. None of them. The only one is Jesus Christ. So if you believe in another prophet or a holy man or, anywhere, or anyone else, I just want to introduce you to someone called Jesus Christ who died not for themselves, for your sin, for our sin, and defeated death, and is alive. And that's what you need to believe in. Not in his good works, not in his healing miracles, not in any of those. That's what the Bible says. Verse 10 says, for with your heart you believe and are justified. So once you believe, you're justified. You are a child of God. God sees you. And when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Because now we are in him. And with your mouth, you confess and are saved. With your heart, you believe, and you're justified as a friend of God, a child of God, covered by the blood of Jesus. Because it's through his blood that we were saved. Because the Bible says there is no redemption without there is no remission of sin without the shed of blood. The sacrifice has to be paid for someone to live. And we do that even in our traditional cultures and all those witchcraft things. There is always a shed of blood because of a covenant. That's how it is. So Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, paid for our sins with his own blood once and for all. So we don't need to go and sacrifice anything. We don't need to cut our fingers and get into agreement with anybody about anything. 
we don't need to tattoo ourselves and i'm not against any tattoos hey, but i'm saying nice. whenever whenever you tattoo yourself to get to get redemption there is a difference people some of these things are cultural and you may not even know you think you're getting a nice tattoo or some of them some of them people tattoo themselves you draw the number of your i don't know birthday of your husband face of your wife whatever that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about when you go to a healer and they say you have to be tattooed and get marks on your face and all that <laughs> you don't need to shed any blood anymore to be redeemed jesus christ did it once and for all so for those who are wondering how do i have a relationship with jesus christ that's what you do and i will end it there i actually i like that and something else that i in a real practical way of explaining this because i was thinking as a non-believer i i it's a it, it's been proven that jesus really did die on a cross and so for the spiritual but not religious people, for the people out there that do worship other gods or just don't believe at all, um, one thing I think most of us agree with is that we all have a spirit. So God, obviously, Jesus had a spirit. And on the cross when he died, when he moaned and he screamed out on the cross, his spirit was released after he died. So we live in a spiritual war. We are, I mean, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war. There are spirits floating around everywhere, okay? So this is really, really, I'm going to make this as practical as possible for people that don't can't grasp the concept that Jesus' spirit can be inside of us. Anyone else who dies, their spirit is released. It's, it's gone. It's, it's out of the body. Well, when you have evil spirits floating around in your house and you have demonic activity, mm. It's a spirit, right? Okay. Yeah. So you can call on any spirit you want. That's a seance. So you can say, you want to talk to your dead dad? Well, call on it because odds are it could show up. I don't recommend doing that because it gets really freaky when that happens. But so why is it? How is that any different than crying out for the man who was perfect and asking for his spirit to take over your life? Because I will tell you one thing, when this, I don't, I'm not rolling and rocking and rolling with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Oh, well, I'm a little funky. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nasty. But when I'm full of the Spirit, I have Jesus' Spirit that I call on. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. All of a sudden, everything changes. It's, it's more practical. It's supernatural. But we live in a supernatural world. This is a very practical thing. So those of you that are like, this is ridiculous. Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? There's other spirits around that you believe in. Why not believe in the perfect spirit? Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Dr. Ruth. I'm so glad you said that because I actually was going to bring that out. I mean, you believe in demonic spirits, but you can't believe in the spirit of God. What a paradox. <laughs> but thank you so much um, for the scripture read, um, uh, Car uh, Dr. Caroline. And thank you for the explanation, Joshua, uh, to help people just put the two together. It's it's not, you know, we've been greatly miseducated in some of our, our past about what is 
the truth and what is not the truth. And so we are coming into the age of the truth, the Lord being revealed once again to the world. And that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. There's a great uncovering and a rediscovering and a realignment that's happening on every level of life. And so I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, And I want to thank you for coming back on next week to hear the the meat of the matter, because I know you're going to be excited and I'm the wrap up girl. And so, (laughs) and so I'm going to wrap it up and we're we're excited because you're sending in your questions and you really want to know, and we want to answer those questions on every level because the Bible has literally everything that pertains to life and godliness is in the word of God, first Peter one and three. And that's what goes on in your life and how to live that life. Not just the Mm -hmm. spiritual but literally everything, how to marry, who to marry, what, how to do business deals, when to do business deals. All of that is in the word of God. Read Luke. Luke was a masterminded business and Jesus taught him business principles to take him even further. So you can't go wrong with God's word is the whole message that we've been trying to give you. Filter it through every part of your life. And if you want to know more about us, you can go to our, our uh, Facebook page, the Society of Kingdom Minds acts to be a part of it. We're going to be sharing things in there real soon. Dr. Henry will, will be leading some discussions and we'll jump in as part of the Society of Kingdom Minds and drop in answering questions. And we're setting up to get uh, geared up for our courses that are coming up. Uh, send Joshua Berlin. Please say your number pro- properly. Would you just call me? I'm sorry, Joshua. Please forgive me. Oh, Joshua. I am Joshua. I got it correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally correct. Send him your questions. Send him your questions throughout the week because I know you have more questions and you want the truth. That's why you're on here to get the truth. And we're going to give you the truth as the Lord unfolds it to us. We're not acting like we know it all, but what we do know, we will tell you freely. We're not trying to hold it back. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week as you come on and hear more about what we're doing. Dr. Dr. Henry actually is closing it out. I was happy. Dr. Henry. Um, Well, after everything you guys have been saying, I, for the first time today, I feel like I don't have anything to say. (laughs) But um, a preacher with nothing to uh, say. (laughs) Well, without opening up another can of worms, you know, uh, but I, I want to, I, I do want to just reiterate something Dr. Ruth said is, is there is no way I hope that we come across as we got it all together because we're just as messed up as everybody else. But we just, we just have learned how to not be as messed up as we were and <laughs> um, take from that experience and by the spirit, by his spirit. Um, I don't even like saying the spirit. Like it's a thing. It's because it's a person, Holy Spirit. I did a yeah. teaching in Spanish several years ago, Señor Espíritu Santo, Mr. Holy Spirit. So we can really identify with the person that, that he is, that he represents for us. And every principle that we need to live by is found in God's word. And that's what those kingdom principles are all about. They're not just stories. They're not just history, and they're not just parallels. They're actually principles that we can take out and apply to our life today. So um, hopefully we can continue to 
share these with you guys and answer your questions. And hopefully our desire is just really to be a blessing. Right, so be blessed this Amen. week. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for tagging somebody that you think should hear that message today. God bless you all. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.